Welcome to the Blockchain DNA Podcast. This show brings you the latest in blockchain technology and global developments in business and fintech. Presented by Metaverse DNA. I actually take it seamlessly to our next guest, which is Monica Cummings. And she's actually, I think, really engaged in another area that sort of flows from what Vince um, really is passionate about. Hi, Monica. Happy to have you on board. Monica is the head of content at the ICPS Institute, but today she will talk about a subject that's very, I would say, in the flow of what Vince has as a subject, financial inclusion. And we talked about digital identity, the possibilities that decentralized blockchains will have, digital identity, information flows. But one of the main things is that we got 3.2 billion people on this planet who are underbanked and unbanked at all. And if you don't have access to economic systems, it's one of the major problems the United Nations tries to fix. You'll never have economic prosperity, you won't have economic diversity. Um, and you will basically have a bigger gap as you go between, I would say, less privileged countries and countries that have benefited from the Industrial Revolution way back from the 19th century. So Monica is really a tech evangelist. Like our former guest, she's already in this area of blockchain development since 2013, so quite a few years. I mean, in blockchain, five years is a long period, we know that. Um, she's been overseas, she's been on cutting edge subjects. What the bridge is between her and Vincent is that Vince is, you know, very much involved in all sorts of regulatory issues. And Monica actually served uh, within the London area in regulatory and compliance issues to get, you know, technology businesses furthered along in their, in their development. So Monica, welcome to you. I am looking Hi. forward to your speech. Hello. Um, so I give the floor to you and um, Monica is very big in virtual training courses. So what I also like is that from digital identity, digital information, we now go to actually giving people the opportunity to learn, which is basically what you're involved in a lot of the time. I know that. So we're looking forward to your contribution. Sure. Um, so. Yes, of course, I'm Monica, um, and it's great that we've got a, an audience today who are engaged in the subject of the decentralization of finance and the democratization of finance. Um, I think, you know, you hit it on the head. Um, across the world at the moment, women face a variety of hurdles, um, and some of them seem quite insurmountable, um, and they are stifling their potential to, I suppose, be fully engaged in, in the formal economy. So the formal economy, I, I mean, you know, on a daily basis, men run businesses, um, they engage in commercial activities, business meetings, and of course you've got smaller companies that might be just a family member and a son. And you have the informal vendors in the markets. And if you go to Ghana or Vietnam, wherever in the world, you will find that a majority of informal vendors are women and they are cash rich and they keep their money under the bed. 
Um, that's the funny thing. They keep the money under the bed and they don't trust banks. And even if they were to go into banks, um, a lot of the time they don't meet the criteria um, to open up a bank account. And, you know, it's not just about uh, not having an audit trail or proof to open up a bank account. It's also um, just general prejudice as well. Uh, people, informal vendors are from a certain um, category in society. And so you have all these preconceived notions about um, informal vendors and whether they are trustworthy and whether they can meet their loan payments. But I think, you know, given that the Grameen model in Bangladesh worked exceptionally well, and if you look at the Bangladesh uh, case, the GDP is pretty strong at the moment, and they have gone from giving microloans to, to informal vendors, female, to um, bigger loans for small, medium-sized enterprises, and now they're bringing women into technology. So I think we can use Bangladesh as a great case study for bringing the unbanked women into the formal economy and overcoming the hurdles. Um, so you mentioned the three billion figure of, of unbanked people in Asia. I believe one billion of that figure is, is you know, women and females. And um, I remember reading a, a case study the other day uh, in Kenya, actually. They were giving out, uh, it was similar to UBI, universal basic income. They were giving out money to, um, to various people within, within a small town in Kenya. And uh, this, this, this study had been going on for quite a few years. And the outcome and the results of the study were that the, the women had used that money to build small businesses, but they also used it to improve their environments. And they also sponsored other families and, and, and gave out small loans. Um, unfortunately, with the men, um, they stopped giving them the money because unfortunately um, they were spending it on things like alcohol and uh, you know, other, other things that weren't really kind of useful for the community. So I think we need to bear in mind that women um, play a big role in community stewardship, uh, environmental stewardship, as well as um, being informal vendors in markets and owning uh, SMEs. So if we lump that all together um, in places like Ghana and Vietnam, um, what you'll find is that it will have a, a kind of knock-on effect. And um, that knock-on effect helps GDP, helps the community, and it helps with well-being indices. So it's, it's really important that we get uh, the unbanked together and, you know, not only the UN, but for uh, fintech companies and, um, you know, blockchain companies and uh, companies that provide digital wallets to do basic transfers on a basic phone is so important right now because especially with the pandemic um it's i think it's even more pressing to get the unbanked in the formal economy that will add to, to countries G gdps i'm getting back on uh, monica technology yeah. is a bit letting me down I think it's very interesting what you just told us about the influential role of women in, I would say, underbanked societies like Vietnam and Ghana. Um, I've been to Africa myself. I know that a lot of these SMEs culturally 
because of their, um, you know, the whole flow in the community uh, is, is really resting on the women uh, to provide the income from the families. Um, how do you see the possibilities of fintech to really have a contribution? Is that just having the availability to transfer funds or value through a mobile phone? Or do you see other possibilities for fintech? I think the key thing at the moment is that we need to accept that uh, people are establishing digital banks and they will grab the market share um, from the traditional banks who've been slow moving and not agile enough to, to uh, respond. I mean, they're still talking about it, but with digital banks, um, there's a lot of uh, ease with onboarding, less paperwork, and I think their appetite for risk is, is bigger. And so I believe that, um, you know, even for example, here in the UK, we have Starling Bank, who's um, I think the, the founder is a, is a woman. Um, so she she's particularly interested in onboarding uh, female uh, female business owners and those who own SMEs. So I think digital banks are going to be the way forward. Um, I, I I would say that the large banks are going to be laggards and they're going to be slow moving. And because of their legacy systems and tighter controls on uh, compliance, uh, AML, KYC, it's going to be a struggle. So I think digital banks are going to lead the way. I think that they're the ones that are going to really make a difference. And I'm seeing lots of digital banks popping up um, in many places. Do you think it's going to help fight, I mean, we know that many of these currencies are relatively small in volume. Uh, the GDP that's backing the currency is often struggling, and especially now with COVID-19. Do you see that the role of some of these currency systems will be taking over by digital coins in the sense, you know, whatever, I'm not spe specifically referring to anything, but I mean, there is a lot of inflation, a lot of insecurity, uh, we all know the effect of Mapesa had in Africa, uh, you know, and um, how do you see this developing? Is it going to be a major difference? I think, you know, it's, it's definitely developing. And I think people in banking and finance are watching and observing and taking note. Um, obviously, Africa is fresh territory for establishing um, digital currencies, uh, whether they're backed by stable coins or not, um, mm -hmm. and they have less legacy systems, less, um, or, or, or I should say, more agile infrastructure, ICT infrastructure. So they mm -hmm. will probably, I think in Africa, it will probably be the spearhead uh, or the leader in in terms of establishing digital currencies. So yes, M-Pesa has been great. Um, I have a friend who set up a company called Market Without Borders for refugee women um, from Uganda who were based in Kenya. And they couldn't, they were making these amazing crafts and jewelry, but they couldn't be paid by Etsy. So she set up a blockchain so that she could pay them in digital currencies. And, and these uh, women, these refugee women have a livelihood now. So, you know, it's real case studies like that um, that's kind of, developing and I think most of the banks and the the central financial institutions they're watching and they're quite surprised at the outcome and uh, it's a, an ex it's an exciting time
I think. I'm a great fan of digital currencies for societies like that because the transferability, if you've got no bank, you've got nothing else to go to to do your payments, the only thing that's going to work is to have something simple that works on a refurbished phone. I mean, they don't buy Apple 10X in Africa. So, you know, I, I see a great future for that. I'm a big advocate of having simple solutions for this, for, for value transfer. What I see is that there are a lot of, I would say, I wouldn't say that's small, but there are, I would say, isolated uh, projects that are very, very successful, like the one you just mentioned. What I'm sort of anticipating is that at some point there is going to be a snowball effect if some things come together, that one and one is not just two, but it's going to be five. So if you look at the current, you know, things in France, like experiment with the digital euro, with some other things, you know, I would say the old economy banks trying to get a bit of the action in there. What do you see in, in the near future for mainly Africa? Because Africa is, of course, I mean, we copper wired whole of Europe. They don't need to do that. You know, they just have their masks and it's they, they need to invest way less in their infrastructure as we had to do over all these decades that we developed the technology. They hop on just on the latest stage, which is probably going to be even 5G. So what do you see as 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 the I would say, well, the catalyst of, of this snowball effect, because I have a strong sense there there is going to be something like this. It can be that all these individual projects like, you know, development of women in Bangladesh, uh, these payment systems that are still, you know, on a larger scale, they're just a drop in the ocean still each individually. What do you see could be a catalyst to just make this combination and to snowball this? Um, I think the African Union, the AU, um, they've set up a special framework um, for digital banking. Um, mm -hmm. I'm in the I'm in the Telegram group for that, and they've made made some real considerable progress. Um, I think that it's going to take some time. We can't expect these things to happen very quickly um, because Africa is vast, and each country within Africa is different and based on geopolitics or who they're aligned with. Um, sometimes it's difficult to push through uh, the benefits of, of digital banking and um, you know digital currencies when there's pressure um, from perhaps mining companies, oil companies to, to continue with the traditional uh, way of doing things. But um, they're definitely they're definitely setting up a framework. so that's that's definitely a positive thing. Um, and actually, I was talking to my friend the other day who's based up in north northeastern Kenya, Wajir, and yeah. he's involved in a fintech company. Apparently, Somalia, which is unrecognized by the UN, it's a very cash-based economy and they're very cash-rich. And um, they are, a lot of them are banned from sending money because of the uh, terrorist you know, counter-terrorist uh, finance laws. So they're now setting up something for themselves, um, not just for Somalia, but the Somalians that live in Kenya and those that are in Ethiopia. And so they're doing it amongst themselves. They don't have time to wait for uh, regional bodies or um, larger entities to move. They're doing it and, and it, this is grassroots and they're doing it from the ground upwards. It sounds like a real development. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate, and Vince knows that, of the Sustainable Development Goals. 
I know that the United Nations sees blockchain-based technology as a major way to improve things in that area because it's non-corruptible and you basically have the airdrop possibility of giving people directly uh, to the source memes or, or tokens and there's lots of development in that area. Um, I really want to thank you for this insight, especially because I appreciate the, the female angle. Can't help it, guys. Sorry. Um, you know, the female angle, uh, when I started in IT, I basically spent years without engaging with any other female in the business. So I'm really wow. happy that these women are empowering themselves with digital currencies, with blockchain-based systems, however tiny, however small, like in Somalia or Bangladesh, but especially in these societies where the traditional systems have kept them, I would say, out of the main economic drive, which for which they're very important, especially for the education of the next generation. So Monica, thank you so much for attending. Thank I you. hope we'll see some more of you because I'm highly yes. interested in what you're doing. Thanks for joining us this week on the Blockchain DNA podcast. Make sure to visit our website and follow us on social media at DNA by Metaverse or at MVS DNA. Till next time. Till next time. Till next time. Til next time. Til next time.